Hello, everybody. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I'm Aaron Snyder. I'm with my partner in crime, Frank DeTank, and we have a special guest on today, Drummond Lindsay. Drummond, what's going on? Not much, buddy. I'm uh, just happy to be here. <laughs> I bet it was a last minute uh, thing you needed a pack, and I'm like, well, shit, dude, come on in. You want to do a, a podcast? And uh, well, it worked out Worked out well. What Were, what, were, were you out, uh, uh, out east hunting? What was going on? No, I was down in New Mexico hunting. Uh, I was helping a guy that has a sheep tag down there, and we got done uh, yesterday, drove up to see the kids, and you know, I've been needing to get down here and get a pack, blew a pack up while I was down there. And uh, so it worked out pretty good. Give you a call. And I'm a little nervous being on this thing. It's the first time I've ever done a podcast. And looking at this big microphone, listen, if I breathe too heavy or something, just give me the Chris Brackett treatment. Yeah, and, all right. Uh, you <laughs> I'll tone it down a little bit. I tell you what, the memes coming across my phone last night were epic. Uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I, uh, pretty fun. I had to, of course, I had to share some of them. Um, but uh, before we start making fun of Chris Brackett, uh, Drummond, give, tell us about yourself. I, I know that you're a um, killing machine, but not everybody does. What? Uh, give us a little intro. You know, I uh, I just love to hunt, and uh, you know, I, I love the the guiding probably the most. Uh, I don't care about hunting for myself, but but I really have a passion for for helping other people, and I've been very blessed. Uh, you know, started in 1992, and uh, just kind of got in before the craziness and hunted some pretty fantastic country and met some pretty great people. And, you know, that's, that's really it. It's just been, been living a dream for 25 years. Well, what, uh, just so, cause you're not very good at bragging, go ahead and list a few of the animals you've, uh, guided people into some of the bigger ones, some of the cooler ones, you know, some of the cooler ones for me are, are not always the biggest, you know, sometimes it's the kids, you know, you get the, you get the kids out there and you get them started and you'll, you'll be hunting with, you know, three generations of a family and get to experience that. That's probably the coolest thing that I, that I do, but we have been very lucky. I mean, we've killed some big deer in Mexico. You know, we've been hunting Sonora, Mexico since 1997 and in 2002 and 2003, we killed the biggest deer that came out of Mexico those years you know, 232 and 234, you know, big, big free range, desert fed, desert bred mule deer, uh, back before this high fence craze started. And, um, that's kind of what we pride ourselves on is just the free range fair chase. Now I do hunt private ground. I'm not a, I'm not the hardcore do it yourself public land guy. And I have a lot of respect for those guys. Those guys are, are amazing. Um, you know, I'm hunting a lot of fantastic private ground. I've always told people I'm not a I'm not a great hunter, but I, I do uh, have a knack for finding some really good ground, and it, and it makes it easy and fun. But, um, you know, over the years, I stopped counting a few years ago. Um, but my clients, we've killed, you know, 25 deer over 200 inches. Uh, when I stopped counting, uh, I just kind of got, oh, why count them? It's kind of ridiculous. They're all beautiful. They're all cool. And, um, but, you know, I've been very, very, very lucky in in my in my hunting career to, to hunt with great people and hunt great ground what's your what's your favorite animal to to guide for uh mule deer is my passion yeah it's good man i'm a nut for <laughs> mule deer and um yeah it's just that's that's my passion for sure what uh you, you've got your hands in different things right now you've got uh an outfit down in in new mexico correct like that's where you're you got Take mule deer and uh, ram hunters, sheep hunters. Down I there? do. We do uh, mule deer, elk, sheep, antelope, bear. Um, we've got some whitetails down there. Uh, very blessed to work with some unbelievable landowners. Um, 
work with those guys, uh, work for them, represent them. And uh, they've opened up some sheep hunting in our area, and it's been it's been really good. It's been it's been um, eye opening to get down there and see them, and and to be able to hunt them, uh, you know, in a unit that they just opened. It's been it's been a treat. Um, you know, we get uh, private land tag, and then you know the the guys that draw the public land tag, we take them for free, and our goal is to to basically offer those guys the exact same experience. That the paid hunter gets and and we've put a lot of time in fact over the last you know this is my third year now that this this hunt's been open and uh i've spent more time doing the free public land guys hunts than i have you know the, the paid hunters um and it's just been a treat man I, I get a lot out of that yeah that's cool what uh what are those hunts i mean if you don't mind talking about it um especially since i may try and take book one from you what are those countries? What are those costs right now? You know, it's a it's a bunch. I, you know, I let the I'll put the client with the landowner, and and I let those guys discuss that. And and a lot of like the guy this year has been a repeat client for us for many many years. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know what he paid the landowner, and that that's a fact. I just you know I get that question a lot, and if I don't know it, it's easier to. It's a lot of money though. I mean, they're they're you know you're looking at. Um, you know, the first year we charged, I think, 45000 and I'm not sure what we did the second two years. That's that's all relative, though. That is actually not a lot of money in comparison to other areas, obviously, just looking into, especially for buddies trying to get their slam. Um, it can be significantly more than that. That's actually not too, too bad, um, you know, considering what some of these tags are going for nowadays for— I, you know, one of the things I'm real proud of is the landowners that I deal with. They don't do it for the money. It's not, they're not money motivated at all. Their, their motivation is solely for the benefit of the sheep. And the, one of the landowners, you know, they're, they're working on a 50, 50 split the first year. Well, actually I think all three years he's donated everything that he's made to the boy scouts, um, just stroked him a check. And then the other landowner has taken the money that he's made and he's put it back into habitat improvement for the sheep. So, um, now I, I, take what I get and put it in my pocket and feed my family. I'm not the, I'm not in a position to be able to do that yet, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm really proud of, of that. You know, it's not a, it's not something that, you know, we just take, we want to give back. We want to make it better. Uh, we really want to offer, you know, great hunts, uh, for the people that draw the tag. Gotcha. No, that's cool. Um, as I'm kind of perusing through, we made a couple of jokes earlier with the Chris Brackett, uh, issue to kind of change subjects you're not exactly the pinnacle of fitness i would say but you well, are thank, one of the thank most thank you for that aaron well i'm sorry you <laughs> know what gave it away it is what it is i mean you're slightly short for your weight uh which is okay because you're also one of the most lethal and effective <laughs> killers that i know and it's I, I, i'm short for my weight and i'm six four that's <laughs> that's a problem i wouldn't want you running into me at full speed i can tell you that <laughs> i would be ducking and running um but I mean, in all seriousness, it's more of a compliment because you are extremely effective. And obviously I've known you for, for quite a while, but, um, you know, with the kind of the craze of the, the working out and I'm not, I'm not obviously Frank and I work out every day. I'm not, I'm not talking shit about that, but I right. think what's important to know is knowing annual behavior, knowing how to glass, knowing how to scout, how to find the animals all really trumps fitness. Um, knowing animal behavior, um, which is extremely overlooked uh, is one of the most important things, um, you know, to being successful, whether it's going to be you know, over the counter public land hunt or a private land hunt, it, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same thing to find the biggest animals, uh, to find animals in general. 
uh, or oldest animals, you right. got to know where they're going to be and, and, and their behavior as well as, you know, glassing. That's another thing overlooked. I mean, I would rather walk in, you know, one to one and a half miles and glass for 12 hours and see all the animals in the world and then hike for 14 miles that day and scare the shit out of all of them. Um, what do you think of the industry now, the way it's kind of going with the fit, fitness thing? And then two, I mean, what do you think is, is the key to being successful for people listening in as far as what would you rate it as um, top to bottom, meaning, you know, whether it be animal behavior or and on down the line? Yeah, I think that, that, you know, for me, I would, it, I look at these guys that, you know, they, they focus on their fitness and they're in the gym and I think that's wonderful. Um, they can do a lot of burpees and they can do a lot of push-ups and sit-ups and they look really good in a bathing suit. And I think that's great. But when it comes to hunting, I've always said that, that being in peak physical condition doesn't make you necessarily a better hunter. It makes you a more efficient hunter. But if you don't know where to look, what to look for, um, you know, how to glass, um, if you're not patient, uh, if, if you're not paying attention to the habits of these animals, you know, you know, where they are in comparison from, you know, from early season, we're up in the high country and then they move down and they stage in the trees and wait for weather. If, if you know, if, if these guys don't know the right places to go to look for these animals they're you know, you're, you're not going to kill anything. And, and I don't, I mean, I mock it a little bit because they mock me a little bit, which is fine. Um, but, uh, it's just a matter of, of, of hunting smarter, not harder. I mean, I see these guys they're you know, they're bragging. I can go in 15 miles. That's great. Well, I can find big animals from the road, you know, like you don't have to sometimes go in that far to find the biggest animals, you know? And, uh, I think there's just kind of that, that misconception, but you know, to each their own, as long as a guy's out, you know, hunting responsibly, ethically, um, and enjoying himself and doing it for the right reasons, man. I, you know, if you go in and blow a bunch of animals out, more power to you if that's what you enjoy doing, I guess. I, I don't know. I, there, there, there's just nothing that, that, that can make up for experience, I guess. And yeah. I think, uh, you know, some of these guys, you know, they could, they could maybe, you know, do a little less time in the gym and a little less, little more time up on the mountain and, uh, and probably pick up a lot. No, I, I agree. And I mean, and Frank and I, I don't know, Frank, you can chime in. I'd say we're in the middle, meaning, we spend far, I mean, we go to the gym, try to go every day. We try to do cardio, but we're also in the field, you know, 150 to, to 200 days or nights a year, uh, scouting when we can be. And it's really more of a time filler. We want to stay in shape. Chicks dig big arms. So I try to keep my arms larger and natural. Um, <laughs> my I, I did notice it looks like you skipped leg day. <laughs> I know. Right. We did leg day the other day. It sucked. It didn't uh, work out so well. No, it didn't. Uh, but I, I mean, to me, um, not everybody has obviously schedule that, that Frank or myself or you have, but, um, I don't have any problem with the competitions, the, the train to hunt, the alpha bow hunting challenge, like all these different, um, like physical fitness hunting type events. Right. I just think people need to realize that, um, you can be in the most peak physical condition in your life. And then you can take a guy that's, eh, doesn't really ever work out, gets in shape during the season but he's got more experience. He knows animal behavior well, uh, better. He makes smarter decisions from that experience. Generally, he's probably going to be more successful. Um, and, and that's, I think that's just a big part of it that I'm not, I'm not making fun of people that work out cause I work out all the time, but it is important that there's an, a happy medium. You got to have a little bit of everything. Absolutely. Um, you know, to, to, there's no special sauce. There's not one thing that's going to do it all. 
Um, what do you run? I just, cause I get this a lot. What do you run for optics? Cause I know you're behind the glass a shitload. You know, I like, uh, I've, I've got a pair of the Miopta, uh, HD 10 by 42s that I love. I, I really like that, that glass. Um, you know, it's, I love Swarovski. I've got a pair of Swarovski 15 by 56s. Actually, uh, my 15 by 56s are pretty special to me. Um, you may know Chris Kyle, uh, Chris Kyle and, uh, and two of his buddies came and hunted with me and they actually gave those to me in, uh, well, it was just a few months before he was killed. And so those 15 by 56s are my, my prized possession. And uh, I probably spend more time behind the 15s, just glass and country. And then, you know, for my spot and scope right now, I'm running the, the Miopta S2, uh, spotter, um, wonderful, wonderful glass. And, um, you know, I just, that's, that's what I use. I'm probably going to upgrade to that new Swarovski BTX system. I looked through one of those and I probably shouldn't have, cause I'm going to be out five grand now, but, uh, yeah, those are, those are pretty, that's a, it's a game changer when you can sit comfortably behind, you know, and have both eyes open and sit comfortably all day in glass. Cause that's what it takes, you know? Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. Um, I mean, we spend, um, I mean, I don't mind hiking in, but we, when we get to, uh, you know, this is talking about like public land backpack hunting type stuff. I, I try to walk as little as I possibly can, um, and glass as much as I possibly can. Cause the one thing I found out years ago is generally I'm scaring shit off when I'm walking around. And, um, not only that, you see animal behavior way, way, um, how would it not way better? I mean, you're obviously seeing it way better, but you see true, actual, natural animal behavior through the glass from 800 to 1,000 yards away because they know you're not there. Right. Uh, close up, it gets all effed up. I mean, they're not they they're not the same animal they were before they knew you were there. And so you you can actually learn just quite a bit, like um, patterning them. You know, learning learning where they're coming from. Are they bedding in the timber? Um, okay, they're on this elevation. Oh, their water holes over there. Ah, this, this buck has done this or whatever, the different things that are important. If you're about to make a stock, you can't watch for five minutes. I mean, unless he just beds in a straight up killable area, but right. generally you're going to have to watch them to make sure you don't screw up on the way in on what's going on. And once those, those bucks to me, after they get four and a half and older, they get a hell of a lot smarter that three and a half to four and a half year old range, something changes in them and they get a lot damn smarter once they hit four and a half and you get those bucks um, and I'm sure you've seen me sent me some photos of some just monster bucks and, uh, they're just a different animal once they get that old and that big. And it's something, um, you generally just can't fly in off the handle. You're going to have to watch them for a while, figure out what they're doing and figure out the most approachable way to get to them. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, it, it's interesting to me to kind of piggyback off of that. The best hunters that I know, the Greg Krogs of the world, the David Verosco's of the world, uh, Matt Schimberg, um, Ryan Hatch, and you, you go on down the list. These guys that have kissed, consistently killed older age class trophy animals, you can tell they know what they're like. When you when you go into a new area, uh, they're not looking for for where the animals are. They're looking for the spots to get up and have a vantage point to glass. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not looking for necessarily you know bedding areas or feeding areas or anything like that. They're, they're, they're like, where can I get up and see the most amount of country? And, and that's, it's just, there's no, there's no denying the, the, the efficacy of, of being proficient behind the glass. And, and like I say, we, we were talking about it earlier. Greg Krogh is the best I've ever seen. He really is. I mean, this guy hunts, he hunts high desert, Nevada, 
heavily hunted ground and he year in and year out takes the biggest animals out of it and it's it's not because you know he knows the unit better he just he just knows how to glass and he goes into new units every year he went into a, a spot in colorado this year that's heavily hunted third season he's never been there killed a great buck and um you know he does it just by by getting up on a high knob sitting there all day and 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 just watching and and looking and and when it's when it comes time to go and get it done he goes and gets it done but i think that to me is just the most effective way to kill big animals yeah oh no for for sure um i mean frank he goes in solo um he's he's got a spot figured out mostly because no one's stupid enough to hike back in that far um although i may join him next year and uh i mean frank those 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 animals are relatively um unbothered the pie country mule deer where you're at correct they don't get a lot of pressure i guess from hunters um yeah i i try to go to a spot where where there's the least amount of pressure but um like drummond's saying um getting to a, a good glassing spot i generally try to camp pretty close to where i'm glassing so i'm not hiking all over you know hell's half acre and, and I, I sit there and i glass all day long um and picking back piggybacking off of what he said when i hunted with jordan um in idaho He's the same way as, as he's describing the guys he's describing. You know, we, we found, we looked on the map, we found a spot where we could glass a huge amount of area and we sat there all day long and we glassed up buck after buck after buck. And, uh, you know, it saved our legs and, you know, the, we let the glass do the, do the walking for us basically. And I think that's, that's hugely effective. No, for sure. For sure. I think, uh, what people, and actually this was a few years ago. I went in on a scouting trip with four guys. One of the guys had drawn a buck tag and we went in a mile and a half and dropped my pack and pulled out my little glass pad. And, and, uh, a couple of the guys looked at me and were like, this is, this is, this is where we're going. We're not going any farther. And I'm like, no, hell no. This, this place sucks as far as we're going. I don't want to hike any farther. And they, they truly were pissed that we didn't hike in more than that. And I'm like, well, you guys can hike as far as you want, but this spot I've, picked out because we can see everything and i think that mentality that um you know you got to work harder to get more out of it type of a thing is is um certainly not the case when it comes to to, to effective glassing and at the amount of shit that you miss those mornings where let's say you're walking around when that sun first comes up and hopes to get a buck moving or feet i i hate stalking walking animals right it's i don't want to stalk anything feeding you know, you get up a little bit earlier and you just sit in one spot. I'll make coffee or I'll make whatever with the stove beside me and chill out. And it, yeah, I, I agree. It's extremely uh, effective. Um, I think you know, a lot of times you have to fight that temptation to, uh, to want to see what's over that next ridge. Yeah. Yeah. Until you've glassed the first one effectively. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you got left this year? Um, what's on the plate for this year and, uh, and next year? Anything exciting? You know, I've got, uh, so one of the state draw hunters still has a, still has a tag and, and he can hunt until mid January down there. So we're going to go give that, um, a good run. I think we'll find a big ram for him. We've got a big ram picked out. It's just a matter of getting him on the, in the right spot, you know? And, uh, the last two days we were down there, we didn't see him. Those sheep have started to rut pretty good. So, so they've moved a little bit, but we'll, we'll relocate him. We'll find him. It's just going to take time, but I've got, uh, I've got a deer hunt that we're going to go do this next week. I'll come home for Thanksgiving for a couple of days. And then I've got a youth hunt that I'm really excited about. We've had a guy that's, that's come out the last two years and hunted with us and done really good. And, and he brought his daughter on a bear hunt. Um, he had a bear tag and brought her along and, 
and she's just, uh, I think she's probably 13 years old now and, and she's eaten up with it, loves to hunt with her dad. And, uh, we've got her on a youth hunt and, and that's probably the hunt that I'm most excited about this year. Honestly, is like I said, it's just when you get to hunt with, you know, a father and his daughter, I've got a daughter myself. So when I, when I see a, a dad taking his daughter out and getting to enjoy that, it kind of gives me something to look forward to. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And then, you know, once that's all done, we'll head to Mexico in January and I'll probably spend two weeks down there and, and then come on home and wonder what I'm going to do for a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, you may come in if you get bored, you can help us out. Oh, that's funny. Well, cool, man. Well, I probably, we should probably cut this off. We got another guy coming in, not to do a podcast, but, uh, what, um, what do you think? Uh, well, how old are you now? Uh, 44. If you, so we're not too much different in age. No. What's what, what's something you would go back and change? I always like to ask guys that, that are like 40 to 60. Is there anything you'd change or do differently? Um, and again, uh, we haven't really covered all your hunting career cause you're not very good at, uh, pimping <laughs> yourself out, but with a, a very, a vast, um, with a hunting career like yours being on as many animals and doing as much as you gotten to do, if you went back in time, would you do anything different? You know, that's an interesting question. Probably not just because I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with where I'm at and what I've been able to experience. I mean, I, I look at, you know, you know, what, what I've done, you know, being able to get to Mexico before the rush, you know, and get to experience that. I, I probably would have spent more time there, I guess would have been the right answer, but you know, I just, um, you know, other opportunities came up and, and, uh, you know, you don't see, you know, what the future holds, but I probably would have spent a little bit more. And I don't know how I would have spent more time down there. My gosh, I used to be down there four or five months out of the year, but. Well, you started down there in 97, 98 yeah. before, before Mexico was cool, right? Oh yeah. I mean, we were down there, <laughs> we were at the airport and, uh, there was no other outfitters there. You go there any day of the week now, Monday through Friday or Monday, you know, all every day of the week. And it's just packed, you know, you get the, every, everybody's an outfitter now, you know, and, uh, and social media has made that a little difficult too. You know, you've got guys that, that, uh, they'll go and, and, and offer these discounted hunts, um, and offer, you know, not a lot of money, but they're hunting bad ground, you know, and, and these guys think they're getting a deal. So, so they'll, they'll want to go down and, and do that deal. And it's, I just think it's hurt it. And you've got the, you know, the high fences going up and I'm not going to knock these guys. If these guys, private landowners want to do that, so be it. But it's just hard for me to, to get behind a, a, a selectively bred protein fed animal that's been raised in a pen. I, I just, you know, it, it's just not my bag. So, um, I probably would have spent more time in Mexico though. I mean, that, that was, that's a hunt that everybody should experience once in their life. I mean, you've been there, you know, the, the, the culture, the food, the weather is incredible. Uh, the rutten desert deer down there in January, it's just one of the most fun things you could ever do. But, uh, it's sad to see, the direction it's headed, but you know, it, it, you just kind of have to adapt and, and go with the change and, you know, hope for the best. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I tell you what, I'd say we should probably get you and the big ginger on, uh, in the next month or so. And, uh, cause I can only imagine you two on the same podcast would be pretty damn funny. I'm supposed to go out there deer hunting with him pretty soon. So maybe after that, we'll get everybody back on here and then we can talk a lot more shit. Absolutely, man. Let's go do it. I, and let me know when you go out, if, uh, if I've got some time, I'll definitely go out and, and, uh, you know, cover country and see what we can't find. And, and, uh, I think that'd be a, that'd be, a, that'd be a blast. I've actually gotten archery tag this year out on the plains for myself. And, uh, 
true to form, I haven't even picked up my bow yet this year. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I, I went to the landowner's house and I bought this voucher and you know, he's, I, he wrote my name down and I signed it. You know, it's 100% legal. I handed him the money. That voucher still sitting in my truck. I don't even have a license yet. I mean, that's how serious I am right now. <laughs> so I think I'm probably going to be resigned to the last two weeks of December and we'll see what we can get done. That's it's still pretty good around then, so that's not oh, a, yeah. a horrible thing. What uh, is it? The same? I showed you my tag earlier. Same units? No, I'm actually just north of you, but really close. Gotcha. Really, I'm one unit to the north, and um, so we could actually probably stay in some of the same places. And uh, I'll go hunt my unit or go help you. I, if I, it, I, I, there's a chance I won't even break my bow out. To be honest with you, I just I just enjoy being out there and looking at them. Well, so. I got a 600 millimeter f4 lens coming to reach out and touch them with the camera Perfect. so i'm actually excited about that too um, we go take photos of tame mule deer over at red rocks and green mountain roxborough so i'll be it'll be nice to get it out uh, i haven't been able to do that because i just haven't been able to afford that big of a lens so with those mule deer you know how they are out there oh it's yeah certainly feasible to get uh, some good footage of them and uh and photos so i'll bring that thing as well perfect Cool. Let's do it. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll definitely have you on again. Appreciate everything. Hey, yes, sir. Thanks for having me and uh, really appreciate it. Yep. Take it easy.